0: I have come to appreciate adult animation for pushing the boundaries of like what the medium can do, the kind of stories it can tell, that are adult animation but aren't like what you would expect from it. It's actual like masterful storytelling that anyone can enjoy, specifically adults. And I, I really want to be a part of making adult animation something that people don't automatically shy away from because they have a certain perception of it.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color, who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Zalanda, one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Emily Rodriguez. She is a Cuban American artist working as a 2D animator at Bento Box in Atlanta, Georgia. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Alright. Hi
0: guys, I'm Emily. Um, this is almost my first full year working professionally as an animator in the industry. So, woo, party. Love that for me. I uh, graduated last year in May of 2020. So, fresh out of art school. Um, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, originally I'm from Miami, Florida. I lived there my whole life. I was homeschooled. So, that's a a fun fact that some people don't really guess about me. You know that. (laughs) I was homeschooled from third grade till high school till I graduated. (laughs) So the whole time I was there, um, I did a lot of artistic things growing up. Um, Being homeschooled allowed me that kind of flexibility. I took different art classes. I played piano for several years. Um, I was a competitive dancer throughout high school. But I knew somewhere along the way, I just had like an innate feeling like I want to study animation. I want to know what that's like. I just knew I would do it. I could not explain to you how or why because i had never done it before. But I was like, I need (laughs) to learn more about it. (laughs) i gotta figure out how to so that kind of started my journey um artistically speaking mm. um, into the world of animation
2: to start us off we are going to play a little game on straight ahead called in between we're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm at you.
1: <laughs> all right cool i'll start us off with the first question would you rather attend a Powerline concert from a Goofy movie or a Hex Girls concert from Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost?
0: I'm so sorry. It's Powerline for me. It is Powerline (laughs)
1: for me. It's so surprising. It's
0: Goofy movie. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. 100%.
1: Sorry, Dupe. <laughs> Dupe. No, that's fair. Powerline, uh, Powerline slaps. It's I, I just, yeah. like, But like Hex, Hex Girls hits a different note. Like that's also like a childhood thing. Like Big I Duke think slab, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, yeah.
0: Something about Powerline though. It's like literally so like timeless, classic. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked this I Love, yeah. I love the goofy movies. Mm-hmm.
2: Stand <laughs> out, so sweet.
0: Yeah, stand out
2: above the crowd.
0: <laughs> Even if you to shout it out. <laughs>
2: Glad we could see eye to eye on that. Oh nice. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Let's go to the next question. Who has better hair, Rapunzel from Tangled or Poppy from Trolls? Yeah,
0: they both can do things with their hair. That's not fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the point. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the game.
0: I'm gonna say Poppy, straight up. <gasps> really? <Poppy moves gasps> a lot more. Ooh. Rapunzel can swing. Rapunzel can whatever. It's like magical healing powers. But Poppy can do. I think she can do cooler things with her hair. That's my opinion. It's it's
2: a little <laughs> bit more um it's like, like articulated or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I trust her hair more. <laughs> no, are you sure. are you more like um if you could be? Have you seen the the Trolls World Tour?
0: No, but I, I mean I've seen clips of it like here okay. and there. I haven't seen the full movie. What?
2: Oh, <laughs> such do a do you watch. do you know it's know. about like genres of trolls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, troll genre would you be?
0: If there was a Broadway troll, that would be me.
2: That would be oh, really cute. <laughs> yeah, right? That, that'd be dope. There
1: should there should have been a Broadway oh, man. show. There should have
2: been There's one. not, but I've, for you, there is. For <laughs> <laughs> me, there is.
1: <laughs> well, thanks so much for playing in between with us. Hopefully you had some fun there.
0: That was a lot. I had to think about a lot of different things in my life. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Okay, so let's actually get into this. What is your day-to-day like being a 2D animator at Bentelbox?
0: I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit too later, but I was an intern for them back in 2019. It was the year before my senior year of college. So uh, it was my very first time in the industry and I was like learning everything as an intern. So to be able to come back as a professional animator, um, not only getting to work with people I became friends with during my internship, but now on a professional level, be able to deliver and like know what I'm talking about, know what I'm doing. It, it's been really awesome to be able to come back. It's like a full circle moment for me personally. So I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed being back there.
1: Oh, That's really, really cool. It's probably seeing some familiar faces. It was probably a place for you where you got nurtured and like learned to grow a bit and then starting as like a caterpillar and then coming back as like a butterfly.
0: <laughs> That's really how I feel
2: though. <laughs> it's like they all met me when
0: I was like 20. Actually, no, I turned 21 there. So it's like I was like a baby basically starting out in the industry. And I had so many amazing coworkers and leads and directors that like, really did, like you said, nurtured my experience there. Um, I was like a sponge, I was soaking up so much knowledge during that time. And I, I owe it all like to that internship, because I think it really set me up for success. So to be able to come back and be like, Hey, you remember me? Now I work full time, let's get this project done. Like, I I find so much joy in that and I love it.
1: That's so great. So for you, was it a pretty seamless transition then because of the internship and then coming back? Did you feel like you were really comfortable from the get go starting officially your first industry job?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny because I actually ended up working at a different studio in the interim um, between like my internship and and then working here now. Um, When I graduated, I, I had about a month off where I was like looking for work and applying to different places. And I ended up working with Yuki at Awesome Inc. for Bird Girl for um, about eight months. So that was my first industry job post-college as a professional. Learned a ton on that show. Like it has such a special place in my heart because of it, Um, because of what I learned and the people I met. Having that experience and then being able to come back to Bento Box again after that and after the internship, it's like I had more to offer even. Um, I had more skill sets under my belt. And, and even then, I'm learning something new every day. Like, last week, I learned something new in, in boom Harmony. And it's like, that program is endless. I never, I feel like I'm never going to know everything about it. And that's okay. I
2: know. <laughs> Harmony is powerful. It's extremely powerful it is and extremely abased. complicated.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a lot. But I love it. And I, I feel like I'm getting more, like, used to it. And I'm finding the tips and tricks with every production I'm on, every coworker I work with. So the transition for me was I, th- I feel like it was pretty seamless just because in the past year, I've become really comfortable and confident in myself and my skills as an artist, as an animator, knowing that I don't know everything, but I know enough to like know what I'm doing <laughs> in the workplace.
1: No, for sure. And uh, you brought it up earlier about interning at Bento Box, And while mm-hmm. you were there, you were actually an animation intern for Paradise PD and Hoops. How was that experience for you when you first got the opportunity?
0: it was quite the culture shock in a way (laughs) just because I I had never worked in adult animation, obviously it was my internship and like, as you get to know me, like my personality and like who I am is so vastly different from the content. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it really is. It's,
0: like, it's like who I, like growing up, I did not think I'd work in adult animation. Like most kids, you know, fantasizing about their career. It's like, oh, I'm going to work for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work for Disney, all the big name companies. We don't really know about the smaller ones that still create great content, but specifically in Atlanta, there's a lot of like adult animation studios. Um, so I've grown into that and I do like enjoy working in that industry now, but working on Paradise PD and hoops as my first experience in the industry was wild, just in all senses of the word. <laughs> like the content was crazy. Um, so Paradise PD is really crude and like grotesque humor and um, explicit sometimes most of the time. So I had to get used to it very quick. Like obviously they're like, if you're not comfortable doing anything or mm-hmm. animating anything, let us know. And I did. I was like, there's some things I don't want to personally do. <laughs> I don't want that my name on that. Um... But it was a good experience because despite it being what it is, I I learned a ton on the production about rigs and animation in general, especially like tips and tricks in the program while working on that show. Mm -hmm. I was mainly working on Paradise PD. Hoops started production like in the middle of my internship. And I remember asking my production manager like, hey, is there any way I can get like one shot on Hoops? Like, can I help out on one thing? I just want my name on it. (laughs) It'd be a great opportunity for my internship, is what I said. Be like, yeah, let me see what I got. Like, I'll keep you in mind for it. And like, I had spent like maybe one week working on this one shot in the second episode of Hoops. (laughs) It's my only friend. It's the only thing I did. You
2: you got in, though. (laughs) You did it. I did. That's great. You slid in there. you asking, you shall receive. I think that's a lot of like what you're describing in your career of just asking for things or like uh, letting people know, you know, your boundaries on what you're willing to animate. Like, that's all really important. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, people coming into the industry, is it's a little timid asking for those things, but I, it's it's awesome that you uh, went ahead and went for it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's very important to even set those boundaries within the workplace. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be doing something you're uncomfortable doing, or if you want something, the the worst that can happen is like, no, you can't, or no, we're not ready for that, or not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the worst that can happen. If you, if you don't ask, you don't know. So I, I, I am a firm believer in just like ask questions
1: clarify that's so great i think i think you did a wonderful job of making the most out of your experience interning with mental box but was there anything that you would have done differently during your internship or maybe something you felt like you didn't take advantage of or did you feel like you maximized the full potential while you were there
0: i think on the animation side i took full advantage of everything that i could have but i think What I might have done differently, um, they had told me like, hey, is there anything else you'd want to like try out, like maybe rigging or, you know, character design. And I think I was so focused on animation and like getting that part perfect and learning as much as I could. I wasn't thinking about other skill sets that would still help that. So I think if I had to go back and do it differently and be like, hey, can I try doing you know, rigging for a week. Mm -hmm. Can someone like walk me through it or or just like have more opportunities? Because I I did have the chance to, but it was also a lot. (laughs) I was very like, it was my first environment. I was also, this was obviously back in 2019. So we were in house. I was Mm -hmm. in the studio every day. So that environment was new. I was going to dailies meetings. I was talking to directors for the first time and found out they're not as intimidating as you might think. They are all just a bunch of nerds doing art at the end of the (laughs) day, you know? (laughs) True. So I think that part was like I was so focused on getting that right mm-hmm. and making sure I was taking advantage of the animation portion of it that I wasn't thinking about what else I could do. Because I can rig and I can character design, but I didn't I didn't think about that during the internship. So that's probably something I would I would go back and do differently.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, even if you're not going to pursue those as like your main career, like everything feeds into everything else and being able to communicate like oh, you know, I'm on animation, but if in the future we could design characters a specific way, like you can just communicate with that department and have a little bit more empathy, you know, when when doing so, because you're like, oh, okay, I understand sort of the role of a character designer or like what process you go through. So if I can make that easier, that'd be great for everybody. I agree, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you also briefly talked about being at Awesome Inc. working on Bird Girl. Can you talk a little bit more about like, that experience and what you learned after graduating from college, about the animation industry, especially in Georgia.:
0: From my internship, I went straight into my first quarter of senior year. I was going to direct a film. I was going to do all these different things. That ended up falling through like halfway through my senior year. I dropped my film and I started helping out with other people. And I really started thinking about my art in a more professional sense, because I knew graduation was coming, I knew I had to find work and like start my career. I had had this awesome professional experience as an intern. And, like, it just solidified how much I wanted to do this. And specifically in Georgia, like, I, I enjoy living in Georgia. Like, I've been here for the past five years now. And I didn't know moving here, like, how much animation was, like, a thing here and how many different studios are located here. So I personally really enjoy it. And I do love the different opportunities that are around here. So moving from, like, graduating college and working at Awesome Inc. um, had been on my radar for a while. I think... It was different because at that point, we were all working remotely as well. You know, everything happened with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, I started my full-time position in my bedroom, <laughs> which, I mean, it was crazy. I had also done that like my last quarter, my last three months of my, my degree. We had to go online as well. Mm. So I had gotten used to like Zoom calls and, you know, keeping my own personal schedule, working on my computer at home. And so that wasn't as difficult to transition into. I think it was, I just remember my time at Bird Girl very fondly. Because I, I I met so many amazing people. The crew was amazing. The leads were were so helpful. They gave me time to get used to things and would challenge me on different shots. Like, hey, we're going to hand you this this week, and we I, like we believe you can do it. So, and it wasn't in a in a stressful way of like you got to get it done, you got to get the debt. Like it was just it was a very encouraging, positive environment for me working at Awesome Inc. I I attribute a lot of my confidence now. To what I learned there, and the production specifically on Bird Girl was so different from what I've done before, and uh, it was just a really fun show, and I learned a lot more about myself as an artist working there with those people.
1: No, that's great. It's really wonderful when, yeah, you're in an environment where uh, you can learn and grow, and like also an environment where upper management is pushing you to kind of get better, but not in the sense of like at the detriment of your own like mental well being It's like within a decent limit, if that makes sense.
0: That's honestly what I look for in a studio if they're like their upper management or their leads are are pushing their artists to grow. Because I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. Like I'm here to grow and to learn and to evolve in a way. So that's definitely something I value.
1: I totally feel you. I kind of felt like that. And I still feel like that currently on the production I'm on, like when I first started as a revisionist at Gremlins, I was there for like my first month. Also, you know, from home, I was there for a week and then I was from home. But when I was doing revisionist for my first episode, I had some downtime between the first and the second. And they were like, hey, do you want to learn Blender? Like one of our episodic directors, Von Ross, is using Blender to kind of like storyboard and stuff like, would you want to learn? Like you have some downtime. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm not doing anything else. I'm going to learn some Blender. And that was a fun, but a uh, difficult experience kind of learning and drawing in that program. And then like later on, it was like, hey, we need some help on this episode. Do you want to jump on? And I was like, sure. And it's again, working in Blender and like every now and then, even it was if it was kind of like outside of like my job parameters, a revisionist, they would always ask me if I want to jump on this other project if I had the time or not other project on this other shot or assignment. If I had the time, I was like, always like, yeah, just let me jump on.
0: That's so cool. I love that. That's mm-hmm. something I want to learn too, <laughs> eventually.
1: Yeah, Blender is another powerful program that's like, it's ridiculous and
2: it's also free.
0: <laughs> it's free! Yeah. We're plugging in Blender. Go download Blender.
2: Yeah, this, <laughs> this, is this is whole episode is just a huge ad spot. <laughs> sponsored by <laughs> Yeah, sponsored by Blender. You don't have to pay for it, but we're sponsored. <laughs> Use the promo code for the ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the topic of, like, storyboards and animation here, something that's interesting to me is that storyboards are, like, pretty tight, in my opinion, like the way that they look if you're sending it to a studio to be hand drawn. But when it's for a studio like using Harmony rigs, like how we use often here in Georgia, it, they're a little looser because they don't have to be on model because the, the rigs are already on model. So we just kind of follow the action and the story and the, the pacing and that sort of thing. So that's just something interesting that I found out while working here
0: yeah it's like you have to match it sometimes yeah to the board as best as you can while keeping it on model i remember we had like a, a bunch of <laughs> shots like that on bird girl it's like how do we make her face look like that yeah like
2: some <laughs> of the proportions are not, not uh, exactly weird. the same or anything <laughs> like that but the, like sometimes the boards would be more like this is the feeling or like the joke mm-hmm. here and we're like all right we'll make it work ah, yeah we get it <laughs> you have to do a lot of interpreting
1: yeah on that topic like how is it for you Working from boards, is it always that struggle of like trying to keep it on model or like you as an animator, how much liberties do you have interpreting the storyboards?
0: I think it really does depend by shot. But I'm doing a lot of like roughs before I, I translate it to the rigs because in the boards sometimes they're not correct to size uh, in relation to other characters or the background looks different. So it has to like, be animated different. So I take my time with the roughs to make it look as on model as possible. With different details from like different costumes. So, I think it's a blend of you as an animator knowing the choices you make to translate what the board's trying to, to show versus what it should look like in animation to be on model. I've been fortunate to be like, hey, I think it should look this way. And my director's like, yeah, that looks good. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know and I think you have to like trust your own instincts in that way, you know, by spending time with the rigs, spending time with the episodes, like i I watched them over and over again, all the animatics because I want to know if anything's changed from different versions or like what's like a common thread throughout the animatics of like how this character acts in different mm-hmm. ways. so I think it's part of it. it's like your own research and having a director that kind of supports or or guides you in um a certain style for the animation.
1: No, that's great. I think that's a good way of looking at it, because that's one of the things I've, I I find interesting myself being on the storyboarding side and not on the animation side, it's like how somebody interprets or how somebody pluses up what uh, the foundation that I kind of laid out and just kind of seeing the relationship of, of that.
0: I love it, too. It's a whole it's a collaborative effort. Like I, I love being like working all together. It's just an awesome thing for me. Like in animation, we all need each other. We can't work without each other. So I specifically, I don't know how storyboards do it. Yeah. Like I can't do perspective for shit. (laughs) I can't do anything for like animation. Great. I can do that. But don't ask me to like put a perspective in a room for a board. (laughs) I, I wish, I wish I could do that. So I have so much respect for you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, uh, it's also on the reverse, uh, especially for like 2D animation, because I, I I love animating in 2D as well. But like the tedious part is like redrawing the same drawing. Sometimes my brain needs something else.
0: <laughs> and I think it's different with rigs, too. There's like a, like a learning curve with it because I, I had a professor who told me this. It made a, the difference between rigged animation versus traditional animation. Traditional animation focuses on how well you draw, but rigged animation focuses on how well you animate. So the principles. And if you, it, it, it's really different because you can have a gorgeous drawing, but if it's not being animated correctly with like the, the weight and the, and the, you know, the shifting and, and all the principles of animation, it's not going to look right. Even more so in a rig because, you know, rig is, it's pre-drawn. So I think it's about like melding the two. I've, I've done a lot more, traditional animation before laying down my rig and that has helped me tremendously in keeping my rig on model and and like recognizing the principles that we need to use.
1: That's something wonderful to definitely keep in mind that I think like audience members will find super super helpful. So something I kind of want to touch on is kind of going back to your experience at SCAD. You were talking about how you started working on somebody else's short film and so how was your experience serving As the 2D animation supervisor for the short film, Mai, could you explain what's the story behind Mai and for those that may not know?
0: Absolutely. That was such a fun little project. One of my good friends, Bayate, is the director of Mai, and it came at a time when I had dropped my senior film. I was directing it. It was something that I was so sure I was going to excel at and do, but it just kind of came to the point where the story I wanted to tell, I didn't have the time or the resources to do it well. And I had to make the decision, like, I'd rather do this right and in the time that I need than a rush job or not being happy with the story, the story still having problems. It was a lot of different things that kind of culminated into this moment of like, I am not enjoying my senior year because I'm stressed about doing this one thing that I thought I could do. And it's like, I still want to direct it one day. I still want to be like an animation director and do all these things. But I don't think it was the right time. So... Emotionally, I was in a place where I was just like, "Okay, I have to let this baby go. Like, this is my child." I was like very sad for a couple weeks. But once I made the decision, and my friends who were all directing films kind of knew that I was free, they were like snatching me up. They're like, "Emily, I need your help on this shot. I need you to do this because you know rigs and you know all these things." So I was like getting grabbed left and right. I worked on almost every film in my class.
2: Oh wow! wow. So that
0: was really fun for me. I was like, "This is what I want to do. I just want to animate well and have a good time with my friends." So Bayate was directing his film Mai, and he was having trouble with his animators kind of using the rig. It was a quadruped rig. So brief thing on on what the film is about. It's kind of a, an origin story on how coyotes form packs. It's the main character Mai, kind of goes through, and he's like a lone wolf kind of character. And there's this spirit that follows him and guides him to these cubs, and so he ends up like forming a pack with those like abandoned cub coyotes, and that's like kind of. The premise of the film.
1: (laughs) Also, sorry, just really quickly, for those that may not know, quadrupeds. If you think animating people is hard, animating quadrupeds is even harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: for real. (laughs) Well, you mean two feet have to to plant on the ground. Try four feet. Uh, (laughs) Ah,
0: the worst. It's the worst. (laughs) So we were having just like people touch the rig for the first time, and there were like bugs with the rig. And I kind of like offered up like, hey, like I can take a look at it if you want to do like a couple of tests and see, you know, where it can improve because we were like in beginning of production. So we were like starting the animation process. So I had done a couple of things like that. I had done like a shot for him and he I, I kind of forget how it came about. But I think I was just like wanting to offer up my skills and knowing that I could help his production. And I helped out so much. He kind of made me the animation supervisor. So um the whole quarter where we were online, it was post, but we were like finishing the tail end of animation. So we would have like calls every other day and, and talk to the animators. They would, I would be able to give them like red line notes. Um, I helped a lot out on animating shots, just kind of polishing things. And I, I'm just so grateful for him to give me that opportunity in a time when I was really struggling with having dropped my film and, and wanting to be an animation lead in a way because I was just so passionate about it and I wanted to help other people. Figure out how to make rigs work. So he was really awesome with kind of letting me do that and letting me help out with um, his film. So it's been really cool. It's on the like the short film circuits now. It won best animation at the Red Nation Film Face Festival. So it's it's, it's doing well. It's doing well so far.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, the animation film circuit right now is definitely a weird time. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad that it's still going.
0: (laughs) some ways. Yeah, for sure.
1: So on that topic of kind of your experience, not only serving as an animation supervisor, how would you describe your overall experience and your time at Savannah College of Art and Design?
0: So my time at SCAD, I feel like I put in as much effort as I possibly could have and was rewarded with that effort. Um, I'm a firm believer in like you get what you put into it. And I can say full heartedly, like my education, I went full force on that sucker. I was like, so determined to learn as much as possible. And I think for me, it was worth it because growing up, I didn't really have a lot of resources for art. Like a lot of kids do these days. Like I said, I did a lot of different artistic things, but when it comes to like cultivating my artistic drawing skills and like animation skills, I didn't have AP art classes. I didn't go to private school or like whatever. Like I literally was a 14 year old amongst like nine-year-olds in this, like, fine arts class in a kitty school growing up in Miami because <laughs> there weren't a lot of resources for me. So I was, like, picking, like, at straws to figure out, like, what can I do growing up that's going to cultivate this? So I feel like I didn't have the same resources. Um, so going into college was, like, it was a whole new world of art and, and people who do art. I was, like, one of the only artistic kids in my town, <laughs> and <laughs> I... I was just introduced to a lot of different things in college. And I'm, a, I'm someone who really values knowledge and learning. I crave it all the time. I'm like, what else can I learn from different people, from different programs, from classes? Like I soaked it up. And, and in doing that and going full force in a way, it's like, I'm serious about this degree. Like my mom instilled in me, like, you can study whatever you want, but you're going to do it and do it well. And you better like bust your butt if you're you're going for this degree. She's always been very supportive of like what I want to do in animation, which is I don't take that for granted at all. Um, she's a very business boss woman um, been working in the same <laughs> corporate America for 35 plus years. Wow. And she's like, you want to do animation? Let's do it. But you better bust your ass. <laughs> you better get it done. I'm like, Yes, mom. <laughs> um, so for me, SCAD, um, it was my dream school, actually. Um, oh. From middle school, I had seen like, we used to have like homeschool conventions in South Florida. Oh, okay. And they had like a booth there. And I was like, Oh, what's this? It's an art school. Cool. I want to go there. <laughs> and I want to <laughs> learn about animation. Like I, I'm telling you, it was just something I knew I wanted to do without really knowing anything about it. Um, just from a very young age. So my experience at SCAD, because I put so much effort into it, it was really worth it for me. Um, I wouldn't be working as well in the industry right now if I didn't have that as my base knowledge, you know, if I didn't have that degree, which I know some people like some people don't need a degree or some people don't think you need one for for art and to like work in the industry. But I think it's valuable in its own way where you can make mistakes and you can learn about the industry without it being detrimental to like your finances or your job, you know, like it's, it's a place to make mistakes and learn from them in a safe environment. So it Mm -hmm. was a hundred percent worth it for me at the end of the day. I'm really, it changed everything.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. And so for you, the thing that I'm kind of like curious about as well, because I don't think you can, and I knew that you were homeschooled before bringing you on the podcast, Well, maybe you can do, but I, I for sure didn't know. (laughs) So for you, how was that transition from being homeschooled to going to college
2: and like not Learning from home, yeah. well, I guess everybody's well, learning like, from home now, but like... System. Majority of my education. <laughs> but, yeah, because, yeah. like, homeschool is not necessarily, like, you just sit down with your parents and, like, they teach you. There's, like, a whole mm. community system. Anyway, you can explain it.
0: For sure, yeah. So, I feel like a lot of people, like, automatically when you hear homeschool, they're like, oh, they're Amish. They're, like, yeah. oh, They're, like, Mormons <laughs> like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, this weird thing. It's, like, they're not... I mean, not that Mormons or yeah. Amish are weird. Not to say that, but... <laughs> I'm also not <laughs> Amish. I started in fourth grade and my mom was a single mom working full time. My grandma stayed at home with us, me and my sister. What I think worked for us that my mom kind of instilled was an independent working and learning method. So we, she would have the curriculums there for us all, you know, the different requirements that we need to learn that year. And um, we would do our own like study guides. We would take our own tests and and um, she would like grade them and be like, did you cheat? I'm like, no, <laughs> I wasn't, I swear. But um, I think because we had learned to do our work on our own without someone over our backs or like watching us, honestly, going into college, it was like, okay, now I'm in a classroom with people, but I also know how to work by myself and get things done by myself because I did that growing up in homeschool. On the side of like social things, um, there's, there's a big like homeschool community in South Florida. So like through my churches, through, um, different, you know, communities, like I had the social interaction part. And then I was also a competitive dancer for about three or four years in high school. So I had my team that was like, you know, the people that I saw most every day I was training with, competing with. So I was very socialized in high school. <laughs> and going <laughs> into college, honestly, was not as like bad as some people think. I really liked it. Like, again, I'm a huge learner. So being in the classroom learning was like my jam. I loved it.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love hearing that. I did not know there was like a homeschooling community. I think you mentioned earlier like a homeschooling convention where you learned about scat. Like I didn't know that was a thing. So like, that's crazy. So it's I'm learning thing. about something new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of transition back to talking about your career and your experiences in the industry. Uh, a lot of your early experiences so far in your young animated career has been working in adult animation. What do you think about adult animation in general? And like, do you like being in that space.
0: I'll be honest, it's not something I ever expected myself to do. (laughs) I had mentioned earlier, like growing up, I was just thinking, oh, I just want to work for Disney or I just want to do it. And I didn't really know much about it. Mm -hmm. But I think I've come to appreciate adult animation um, as I learned more about the medium itself and how many different things you can do with animation. There was a post going around on Instagram a little while back that's like, animation's a medium, not a genre. And like, it's true. It's absolutely true. Like, it's not just associated with kids work. And I feel like a lot of people Mm -hmm. see it like that. And they're like, anything that doesn't, that's not appropriate for kids. It's like, oh, that's wrong. Like, I don't want my kids seeing that. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's not the content that's made for your kids. Like there's certain things for that, but I I have come to appreciate adult animation pushing the boundaries of like what the medium can do. The kind of stories it can tell. Is all adult animation pretty? Not really are they all good stories? No, like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like I can be critical of it. Like it's not, there's some things that I just don't enjoy. I'm like, why are you still running? Like cancel the show? (laughs) You know, but there's other things I'm starting to see now, as I've you know started in the industry, like different shows that are coming up that are adult animation, but aren't like what you would expect from it. So not like the crude humor, not really inappropriate topics or like things and trending in today. Like it's actual, like masterful storytelling that anyone can enjoy, specifically adults. And I, I really want to be a part of making adult animation something that people don't automatically shy away from because they have a certain perception of it. So um one show that I can think of that I'm such a huge fan of because of how well they, they make it is Final Space. I don't know if you guys have watched it. But what they do with the writing in that show and and the overarching like narrative of it is phenomenal. It's like it's like mature deep stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just different than what most shows are doing these days I love I'd love to see more of that where it's like it's mature content but it's not slapstick it's not like I'm gonna throw a yeah it's not know, shock
2: value genital part yeah, at your face like all <laughs> because all jokes like oh uh, yeah that'll make <laughs> it cool for the adults
0: <laughs> but it's like no we want more than that like I want more than that as an adult like I want to like feel something and not mm-hmm. have it not to say that kids humor or like kids shows don't you know get to that level mm-hmm. of deepness But I think you have a little bit more flexibility with how you tell the stories in adult animation. I do. I enjoy it more now than I thought I ever would. Even though like in Atlanta, I feel like adult animation is kind of the industry for different studios. I've come to enjoy working in it more because I want to be a part of making it more normal and making it different, like different shows that aren't like typical adult animation that you'd expect growing up, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Mm -hmm. making people realize it's a medium and not a genre
0: literally literally that (laughs) it's not just one Mm -hmm. thing it can be many things so i i'm hoping that's my hope for my career is like i start to see that become normalized in a way and it's 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 for everyone it can be for anyone
2: Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. talking about sort of like your career in like you didn't think you would ever be in adult animation it's not really something that you I guess personally came to mind, working with you, you are such a light, very like bubbly, optimistic, you know, like, let's, you know, get to work, get this done, always ready to go. I am curious how do you keep up such a great attitude. You know, sometimes the content we work on is not the most exciting. So you know, I think keeping a positive attitude is really important. How do you personally keep yourself going?
0: Well, first and foremost, I think my faith plays a lot into that, honestly. Hmm. Like, I get a lot of joy from what I believe in. Like, I'm a Christian. Like, I do. Like, I get a lot of joy from from God. But another part of that as well, it's like I'm in such a rare position to be doing what I'm doing. To be making art for a living and getting to work on a production, which has been my dream since like I was a child. I feel like I, I try to remember that. Whenever it gets tough, whenever I'm doing something and I'm like, I don't really want to be animating this right now, but it's my job. And oh my God, I get to animate for my job. Let me remember that. Like, I, I do my best to kind of spread that. And I'm a, like you said, I'm a very positive person to begin with. I-, I want to be able to spread that throughout the places I work because it can get very dark and it can get very discouraging at times. And I'm like, I don't ever want to forget why I got into this in the first place. Like, and-, and what a fortunate position I'm in to be doing this. Like, not everyone gets that chance. You know, it's tough to break into the industry sometimes. I have friends that haven't done it yet, or friends that are like still struggling to get in and find work, and it's like, I don't ever want to take that for granted. Mm-hmm. And I always want to be sure that I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at, even if like what I'm doing I'm not particularly enjoying. It's like, I still learn something from it. Like, I animated blood shooting out of a gun, you know, from this guy's head. It's like, <laughs> oh, I like how to do effects. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. Okay. not <laughs> so want to be enemy that. Not necessarily, but
0: did I learn some something from it? For sure.
1: <laughs> uh That that is very well put. <laughs> no, but I think I think that's great. That's a mindset I also try to have for myself. Was that what can I learn from this opportunity? What can I gain from this experience? Whether it might not be necessarily my interest or my forte, but what can I gain out of it? I think that was also like a mentality I had going out through school. Because at San Jose State, where you can, I both attended, it's not an art school. It has a wonderful animation illustration program, but we do have to balance GEs along with our art classes. And the way it's kind of structured is that you learn about all the disciplines of animation, like viz dev animation modeling and story before you kind of focus on specifically story or whatever or animation and the, the people that know they're going to be Vizdev, dev they don't like the animation classes and the people that know they want to be an animation of story they don't like the vis dev classes but it's kind of taking the opportunity to like okay well i mm-hmm. this might not be my favorite class i'm not going to put my all into this class but what can i try to gain from this class is i think right. it's a helpful mindset to have
0: absolutely Getting, like, any opportunity you have to, like, glean information and learn, it's, like, super important, especially in this industry, too. Like, if you know more than one thing, you're super valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one other thing that I kind of want to ask, because I think something that students may not know is that, because I actually didn't know when I was attending uh, San Jose CLT, like, way later, is there's a thriving animation space in Georgia that a lot of people aren't aware of till like, later the season from like what you were saying earlier it seems like you really enjoy being in georgia and kind of working in animation over there but do you see yourself seeking animation opportunities outside of georgia in the future or do you feel like georgia is kind of like at least for right now it's where you see yourself being
0: it's a great question because i still don't know (laughs) i still feel like i'm so early in my career too um that it's like if the right opportunity came my way i might take it (laughs) i'm really going to move across the country Maybe, (laughs) but at the same time, I really enjoy living in Georgia for like the change of pace it is. Um, Coming from South Florida, I always felt like I was go, go, go and get things done and constantly running. And somehow moving to Georgia slowed me down in a way. Like the way of living is a lot more chill. So I value that as well in in a place where I'm living and working, um, which is why I was so excited to see like all these different animation opportunities here. It's like, oh, I don't have to move to LA or to New York, or to these different places that are really expensive to live in, to be able to do what I love. It's like now, if Disney were to call me up and be like, "Hey, we want you on this show right now,"
2: <laughs> I'm on a
0: plane. <laughs> I am on a plane right now. But I kind of don't see that happening, <laughs> and and that's okay too. Like um, I feel like a lot of people who either are or are not working in the industry kind of attribute their success to. What big name company they're working for, if you're not working for Disney, you're not doing enough, and it's like that's so not the reality. that's not what what it's like <laughs> in animation. Like I'm getting the same kind of credit I would on a smaller show than I were if I were at a big name studio. so it really doesn't matter as much, I think personally. I'm like I could work anywhere as long as I'm doing what I love and I'm enjoying it then then that's great and I'll be honest like i don't I've never seen myself in California for some reason. I just really like Atlanta. Now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm, I can vibe with this. <laughs> but that's not to say it's bad if like someone does want to move. Like I have a bunch of friends who are like, I'll move anywhere a job wants me to, and that's fine if it works for you. But I just I have other things too that that are important to me in my life. That having me grounded in Atlanta or in like you know this kind of space um, is just as valuable to me as the kind of production I'm on. Not to say anything bad about you either, because you're in <laughs> no, California. No, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Fuck no, like just... you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> you're a state savage. <laughs>
1: No, I'm, okay. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that I'm glad you kind of had like this that discovery for yourself because everybody's different. Like some people don't like being in one place too long, and they like moving around. Some people really either like living in California or like being in Georgia. And I think, yeah, you don't have to work for a specific studio to be successful. I think the fact that you understand that, the fact that you know that at such an early age, I think it's it's very mm-hmm. wonderful. I try. <laughs> Another thing I kind of want to touch on in regards to yourself is that when it comes to your art, does your background as a Cuban-American play a role in the art you create? I'm trying to make
0: more of a connection to my Cuban heritage as I grew older. Um, I'm second generation Cuban-American, so um, my dad was born in Cuba and my abuela was born in Cuba. My mom was born in Jersey and then I was born in Miami. So it's like, I have that in me and I grew up in a, you know, Spanish household. I speak Spanglish, <laughs> which is like a mix. <laughs> you, whatever words you can think of in either language, you just say it. <laughs> So, um, growing up, I was very stubborn in when I spoke Spanish, it's like, I couldn't speak it right. And they would be like, Oh, that's so cute. You can't talk. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't want to, I was just very stubborn as a kid. So I regret that now in a way, cause it's like, I've gotten better at my Spanish, but speaking it fluently is still a little bit difficult for me. So, um, I've been trying to, in my own way, connect with that. Um, and when it comes to my art, I think I, I try and just remember like all the sacrifices that my family made to get us here to um, come to this country and make a new life for their kids and thus make it easier for me to do what I do. It's kind of crazy too, like I've heard of relatives of mine that are like sculptors in Cuba, who I've never met, but are like artists in my family that I've never mm-hmm. known um, or met in my life. And it's like, I get that from them in, in a way um, on both sides of my family. So I try and re- just remember like what they went through and, and, and do my best to kind of honor that in, in what I do in my career today. I um, I don't know if you guys ever if you saw the um, the trailer for Vivo or like the the teaser for Vivo yeah. I was like oh my gosh it's Havana <laughs> like that just made me so excited because I feel like we don't really get to hear as much in media about Cuba and and like it was just very cool for me I hope they don't like ruin it I love Lin Manuel Miranda though but um, it's just a funny choice for that that character <laughs> <laughs> like I heard him saying like the the dialogue and I was like oh.
2: That doesn't match. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No offense I,
1: I, to uh, <laughs> No, I'm kind of there with you. I'm excited for Viva, but when I saw, like, lemon Well being the monkey, I'm like, oh, okay. That's an interesting that, that <laughs> was a choice. That was made, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I thought it was going to be... I thought he was... Just composing and writing the music, but when I saw like he's also a character, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, cool,
2: himself. Cool, cool, cool,
1: cool." Sure,
0: <laughs> why not? I'll love him anyways. I love the what that man does. It's
1: no, just, he's great. He's fantastic. Enjoy it your way. <laughs> no, that's that's great that you're kind of like wanting to get into it more as you're older because I think like that's something I struggled with my myself. I think I I know I think as a kid I spoke pretty fluent Spanish, but going to an all American public school, I started speaking Spanish less and less. I would speak English at school the TV shows I would watch were all be in English. So like the, and then I would hang out with my friends outside and they were all English speakers. So not that I wasn't talking to my parents, but I was speaking Spanish less and less that a lot of times it would, it started becoming my default. And I'm kind of like doing the kind of same thing, trying to speak more Spanish when I can, mm-hmm. trying to see if I could become fluent again. Cause I've, I've, I forget the name of the book, but there was actually this book that I remember loving reading as a kid. And I found it again when I came back from college. And when I When I found it, I was like, oh, shoot, I loved reading this book. And I opened it up and it's like in my head, I remembered it in English. But when I opened it, it was all in Spanish. (laughs) And I was like, no way. I was like, I was like, whoa, I was like, I was trying to read it. And I was like, not gonna lie, having a struggle like reading it because I was like, I remember so vividly being in English, but I think that's because English became such a default for me. But it just reminded me is like I was able to read this book as a kid and read it cover to cover. And now, like, I'm struggling reading this book. (laughs)
0: That's real It's crazy so it was
1: a it was a wake-up call to like connect more with the language and the culture the roots
0: i found it something just to be proud of too it's like um i think i was just embarrassed as a kid because i would get the words confused or you know and it's not like i was like a minority amongst in miami it's like a, a mixing pot of all these different hispanic and latin cultures but then coming i think coming to georgia and and Seeing it as, like, an advantage, like, I do know the second language, I may not be the best at talking it, or or, but I can read it really well, I can listen and, and like, understand it if you're talking to me slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just, I want it not to be something that I ever lose, like, I want to pass it on to my kids one day, like, that's not something I ever want them to not have as Dang. part of their lives, you know? So I talk to my abuela in Spanish as much as I can. Like I'm practicing. I'm still, I'm, I'm in the process of like just getting better at it because I am proud of it. And I think it's something that sets me apart in a way, having that kind of background.
1: Totally. No, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much with you. It's something I also want to pass on to my kids because I think the further generations you are, because I'm a first generation uh, Mexican-American here in the States, but I feel like as each generation passes, Spanish is kind of lost with each passing generation. That's something my wife and I don't want to, our kids to miss out on or lose. So we I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm trying to pick up Spanish more and more is because I want to pass it on to my kids. Absolutely. So um talking kind of about like the future and like future generations, what are your future aspirations in this industry?
0: That was a good segue. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> um I really started thinking about what I wanted to do in this industry in my career. I'd say around like end of junior year, senior year of college for me when it started getting real. And I was, and I had like a bunch of like mentors and like co-workers that I looked up to and had worked with. And I was like, I oh, I was also a tutor in college. I tutored to Boom Harmony and animation um, to different students, to my friends sometimes. And I found through doing that and through kind of talking with my different mentors that I really enjoyed teaching and like helping different artists, young artists specifically, like grow into their own and their skill sets when it comes to animation or anything they want to do in this field. And I think part of me also wanting to do that is um, I'd love to kind of grow into an animation lead, animation director position one day. I'm fully aware I have like so much to go in regards to like knowledge and my skill sets. So it's a, it's a climb for me, but it is a goal that I have. Like I want to be able to do what my director does and give notes and, and improve the animation and instill a confidence in my artists that they can do the tough shots. They can work as hard as they, you know, can. To get this done and do it well and enjoy it like I, I I have a real passion for that I have a real passion for kind of helping artists come into their own um, so I'd love to do that in my career as an animation director that's the kind of position I want to go for but then I think also something I want to do I want to be a professor of animation mm. I want to give back to you know students the way and feed into them the way that I was fed into as a young artist I have a real heart for I think young artists and and, and what they want to do because When I was a younger artist myself, it's like, I didn't know what being a working professional artist was like day to day. And I feel like I'm in a unique position to be able to be that kind of resource and listening ear and kind of a guiding voice to artists who are looking to do this as a career. So those are my current aspirations. At the current moment, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and get my experience and get my credits and get on the show that I really want to work on, Final Space, please hear me. <laughs>
2: please. Yeah. please! You can hear me. <laughs> put it into the, the universe, put it in the ether. I'm yeah, manifest it. as they say. Yeah. <laughs> I think that all uh, feeds into each other very well. Like, you having a passion for learning and then also being able to, you know, be receptive to lots of information. And then that way, you know, when the time comes, you can pass it on. And yeah, uh, on to others. I think your whole thing working out really well.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I'm getting there. Again, I haven't even, it's not a full year since I've been in the industry. This summer, it'll be one year. (laughs) Um, So I have a long way to go. But again, like I'm putting in the work and I I want it. And I I don't think I'll ever not want it.
1: It totally (laughs) shows. No, teaching is such an amazing skill that I love that people have and develop. I think it's so wonderful. And it's something that we need more of, honestly. And uh, especially talking about like giving to others, is there any advice that you would want to give for those that want to pursue a career in animation?
0: I think anything that is meant for you will come your way. And you just need to work hard and 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 focus on what you, you're passionate about and what you want to do. You don't have to do anything that you feel is going to make you money or get you in if you don't enjoy it. I think it's so easy to kind of just work on something um, because it's there and you... Don't think you can get anything else. Like I'm doing this because it's like, yeah, there's a job in that. But I think it's so important that you try and stick to what you're passionate about and what you want to pursue. If you're, you want to be successful and happy in the industry, because I guarantee you, there is a position for you out there for exactly what you want to do. So don't give up on it. You can work on things in the meantime that you enjoy, but never stop working towards the kind of career you want to build for yourself. Like I said, what's meant for you will be
2: there for you. So well put. Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you for joining us today. Emily, where can our audience find you? And is there anything you want to plug at this time? Well, thank you for having me. This
0: has been wonderful. Um, I have an Instagram that I uh, post a lot about. I post job updates and like different art, a lot of fan art. I'm currently like head deep into The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like always emotional about it. I'm always posting art about (laughs) it. (laughs) So you can find me there um, at emilyrod.art
2: i love seeing your mandalorian uh, <laughs> fan art. it's so cute
0: thank you i enjoy yes. making it it's like a, a boost <laughs> oh,
2: it's so good. every time oh yes emily watch the new update <laughs> <laughs> Well, perfect. If you enjoyed our interview with Emily today, please rate us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Straight Ahead AP and let us know your sponsor today's In Between Questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future In Between Questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Thank you to our brand new editor, Ashley Itliong. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
1: Thanks again for listening. And thanks once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.